I'm Father Dennis Strack. And I'm Katie Prejean McGrady. And this is Ave Spotlight. This week on Ave Spotlight, we are visiting with Jessica McMillan about women in the church. Thank you so much for joining us, uh, Jessica. I really appreciate it. Uh, maybe just begin by introducing yourself and maybe tell us a little bit about how you came to fall in love with theology and even mm. a ministry, maybe where that journey started. Yeah, yeah. So my name is Jessica McMillan. I am originally from Mississippi, Louisiana area. Well, born in Louisiana, grew up in the Mississippi. Um, and I've been active in ministry for, uh, I mean, really since since I was in ministry myself, I mean, I remember just really falling in love with it when I saw the high schoolers when I was really little and turning to my mom during mask and asking, like, when can I be a part of that? Um, and and so it's been a long journey for me in ministry. And I have been active in elementary, middle school, faith formation, coordinating programs. Um, and then our CIA, I've been active in uh, high school, middle school, college ministry, and then content development for a little bit. So um, kind of all over the board and in different spaces of ministry. Um, and so, yeah, I think if I, I mean, at certain points in time, I think that if I could just do every ministry that exists out there, that I would just love to do them all because <laughs> I've fallen in love with different spheres of it throughout the years. But um, yeah, so I'm currently in Phoenix and i um, Right now, I'm not currently active in ministry, aside from I volunteer and help lead a confirmation program um, at my parish. But um, yeah, I'm just kind of taking a break, taking a step back and um, doing childcare for some friends and walking dogs um, and, <laughs> and just writing and reading. Um, so that's kind of where I'm at right now. Now, and you've taken a step back um, and in our conversations, just as friends, you know, like you've been kind of discerning more lately. And this is what we really wanted to unpack with you. Uh, the role of women, the role of women in the church, the role of women in family life and in friendships. I, the, it even sounds silly to say, because it's like, there's not a role. A woman's just a, a woman, like she just is herself. But yet there is, uh, I mean, not 10 minutes before we started recording, I was in a battle on Twitter about whether or not women should go to college. And and mm. like, why is that even a conversation? Of, of course they can go to college. And so you've been kind of unpacking this and exploring this. Tell us a little bit about kind of what your experience has been in starting to delve a little more deeply into women's ministry, women's role, just women in the life of the church? Yeah, uh, I mean, it's been a lot of unpacking my previous experiences personally um, and kind of looking back at the trajectory that I was on within ministry and and what that looks like. Um, But then also, I, I, you know, I had this horrifying moment probably like three or four years ago where I recognized that when I wanted to learn more, whenever, specifically within theology, um, and I would pick up a book to read and I would look at the, um, what are they? <laughs> I heard this word has been escaping me all morning, but just the review, the book review on the back, mm-hmm. um, where it's it's kind of validated by someone, that there were particular men that I looked for to, to validate this book. Um, and that somewhere along the way, I had picked up this idea that, um, women that were had any like that women didn't really have authority to do that um but that also I should be suspect of any women that kind of are giving these credentials to Mm -hmm. this book 
that really what I was looking for was the stamp of the men theologians within or, or priests that I've looked up to and, and that um, there was just less credibility there from women. Um, and I would say that that has been just kind of looking back and unpacking that in my own experience or in my own formation, um, that that has never been explicitly said, but something that I have picked up very subtly um, in my education, in my own formation, in my own catechesis. Um, and that, yeah, it was just, it was something that I do what I always do. And I generalized it and was like, everyone's doing this. Everyone only cares about what, what men have to say, or everyone only cares like um, within the sphere. But realizing that it was definitely something that was deeply embedded in me and wanting to go on that journey to um, kind of unpack that. And so that was one of the first steps in it, but um, just starting to read more from women um, that I realized that when I looked at my bookshelf that I didn't have a lot of women that I was learning from um, and and being able to kind of see like why that was. Um, and and so, yeah, I think that that, that has been a lot of, of my journey and then just listening. I think... Um, there's a network of, of women, a community that Samantha Pavlock, who she runs Femme Catholic, um, and she's created this beautiful network of women who are asking a lot of these questions that I've been able to ask with and to learn from. Um, so that's a little bit of my mm-hmm. journey and the role of women in the church. So go ahead, Father. <laughs> uh, just curious, like, so as you begin to unpack this and maybe to look to the, that question of why, maybe what have you discovered? Like, what is it? What have you seen to be? Uh, what, what do you seem to be finding? And then maybe also, are there women that you found that are uh, maybe in this place of um, where, where they have really found a home in the church and, and have found a voice, but for whatever reason, we don't know about them. Maybe who have you found that seems to be a good model of, of how, um, how women might live out this uh, call in the church? Yeah, I think that's, that's a great question. I One thing that I've found so fascinating um, as I explore more women theologians, more um, just women who are asking these questions, is that a lot of the things that I've read, um, I can list off a few books, um, Promise and Challenge is one of them, Um, Catholic Women are Speaking, um, it's called Breaking Through, Catholic Women Speak for Themselves, I think that's what the name of it, Um, one more recently that we're doing with the book study with them, Catholic, called Women, Sex, and the Church, Uh, all of these books, um, The Authority of Women in the Church by Monica Miller, Magliano, I think is her last name. I might be butchering that. (laughs) Uh, But what I found just in all of these pieces, and especially like within pieces, I think we froze. Can you hear me? I can hear you. I just can't, you you just got stuck visually, but that's okay. You still there? There we go. Good. Are we back? (laughs) Okay. Yeah, we're back. Could you hear me throughout that? I'm not sure where. A little bit. Pick up from one of the things I've learned. And then that way the the Zoom will catch up. Okay, perfect. Um, Yeah, so I, um, just in in learning from these different women and and reading, what I've found is they often present everything in a collection, right? That they don't claim uh, complete authority over all things that are, have to be the leading voice in all things, but they really gather people together to speak from their own experiences. Um, And so that's been something that, um, I think I've not really encountered in Catholic ministry. I think in a lot of ways and, and in certain spaces in particular, we're kind of fighting to be the lead voice on something, um, to be able to claim the authority. Uh, but women, they cite, right? They cite their work so heavily. They they bring other women into the conversation. I'm seeing this a lot too in, in what I'm reading from people of color, 
Um, there's a book that I'm reading called Pastoral Care in the Age of Black Lives Matter. And all of that, it's, it's bringing together a collective voice of people who felt like they haven't belonged or they haven't heard. Um, and so that's one of, I think, one of the things that I found. I, it's hard to pinpoint exactly why, why this is, um, but I think that it is kind of a subtle thing that we've done over the course of time. Mm -hmm. It has to be frustrating in some ways because ecclesially, I'm sure you're finding there's not a lot of language for that within the hierarchy or within the structures of the church, but theologically, there's a lot of grounding for women's voices having authority in the church. We look to the saints, look to the mother of God, whatever that you might look to, but it's that sort of tension between the ecclesial kind of language that we use and the the theological language we use, both being true, but I guess the Mm -hmm. question is, yeah, why why can't they come together in a more... um, profound way or maybe a more realistic way or more balanced way or right yeah and I think that that father that's been one of the things that has been most frustrating is that it seems that we have the framework within church teaching for this to make sense Mm -hmm. um, specifically in ministry settings where it doesn't have to be about profit production capital all of these things right it's about the gospel Mm -hmm. and it we have this teaching on complementarity um, and we like to kind of put that at the forefront of what we talk about, of the way in which we honor women, but practically I don't see that happening in many ministry spheres. Um, There's a sister who, Sister Prudence Allen, she's another voice that has been so influential in what I'm learning. I just ordered her first volume called The Concept of Woman, and she's just studied the way in which we have talked about women throughout um, the earliest times in which we can find um, and just kind of chronicles those throughout the different um, decades and different eras within um, church, within the church, within the world, within our history. And um, one thing that she talks about with complementarity is that we haven't really explored it a lot. Um, Promise and challenge the essays in there, they explore this a little bit more practically, but that we operate out of um, out of this idea of fractional complementarity, that it's like this 50-50. And so a lot of times within the church, what we think is the way to solve this like woman problem within the church is to just appoint people to positions, right? So if we can just get a woman in this position, if we can just have her do this or be on the stage um, or do whatever it is, then that'll kind of fix the problem. And it's very like, it's seems to be a lot about optics and not about the heart of it. Mm-hmm. Um, and that are we actually setting ourselves up to where there are women who we, we give them authority um, and that they have actual authority within the church. And I think there's a lot of space for that, that we haven't, we haven't looked at. So what Sister Prudence Allen presents um, is integral complementarity, um, which is this idea that I, as a woman, I am a whole person right? And you as a man, you are a whole person. And um, this is also, my mind is kind of going in all these different directions, but this is also something that I learned from uh, women, the authority of women in the church by Monica Magliano that she says, um, she breaks down the word authority. So what is that? Authority is the authorship, the way in which something flows from me as the creator of it. Mm-hmm. And that I image that as a woman in a particular way, um, and that can't be generalized. I image that as a woman in a particular way, but also as Jessica, who is this person. Um, and, and so there is a way in which, um, if you combine kind of these ideas, which I've done in, in my head, um, I don't know a lot of what that looks like practically right now, but, um, is that this idea that I can have authorship, um, that I have unique authorship over something that the men in my life, um, don't necessarily have, but it doesn't mean that they can't have it 
by being in proximity to me mm-hmm. um, and by learning from me. And in the same way for me with men in my life and that, um, and that that would be what it would look like with integral complementarity that I can kind of consume things around me. And I use, I don't really like the word consume, but um, I can, I can learn from people around me and I can become something more of who I was created to be by doing that. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know a lot of this sounds really lofty um, in terms of practicality. Uh, I don't know. In terms of practicality, this is what I hear often. Women want to have it all. They want to be able to, to do it all. They think that they can do it all. And that honestly, within church spaces, I don't see that we've, um, that we, I think if, oh, this sounds really harsh, but I think that a lot of the men that I've worked with, that if they could be honest about what they believe or where they lean, that they think that they can do it without women. And I don't think that they would ever want to say that explicitly. And I don't think that they believe that theologically. Um, but I think practically the way that we've set it up specifically within the American Catholic ministry context has been that we don't have to. And, um, and, and then when we want to, um, how do I want to say this? Like when, when we want to give women what is due, what is just, right? Um, which is that my body has particular capabilities. Um, we consider that special treatment and, and unfair um, and just that this space wasn't created for women when in fact, I think it was, we're just not willing to, willing to bear the equal um, weight that that costs. Mm-hmm. And you say that um, as someone who just had a baby, you know, it was, I have a friend in um, a diocese up the road uh, who recently changed their maternity leave policy um, to a family leave policy because they said it favored women. And it's like, obviously family leave, like a dad deserves time off, just like the mom that births the baby. Nobody's disputing that. But the policy shifted in such a way to where there was no pay anymore from a Catholic diocese. Like you're not paid while you're on this family leave. And in fact, then have to pay for your own health insurance policy while you're gone. Um, And it definitely is disproportionately hurting women who find themselves teaching in these Catholic schools. And, you know, I just, I sat with it about how just unjust that was that we claim okay, have babies, we claim be a full woman. And sometimes, and we had this conversation on that conversation about single life, like sometimes Mm -hmm. that's created as the ideal. And so when that's pursued or when that's lived out, it's then almost punished. Um, And it sometimes feels, I mean, Jessica, you're talking, I'm just kind of like nodding my head. Like it sometimes kind of feels like we're penalized for wanting to be in the spaces where we know Mm -hmm. we're talented and, and we have something to contribute but then you find really good guys on the other side, like a father Dennis who say, well, the table's big enough for every single person. Let's all sit together. Um, I guess at the end then, as you've learned all these things and unpacked all these things, and we could continue going for an hour, that's just not the format of this show, but I know. I'll bring you onto an Ave Explorers and we'll totally dig in. Um, what would be, and I guess just like, I know we said it's hard to think of these things kind of practically, but like, what do you think it does look like in a practical way for the church to be such a place where when women show up, it's, it's a good thing and like it's celebrated. And in fact, it becomes the norm to where there are men and women equally showing up to serve and to give. Like what, what's a way that that can maybe get started or can begin? Hmm. Yeah, I, I think a big one is looking at our bookshelves and, and who's informing us. Are we are we listening or are we afraid? I think it's 
I have felt odd entering into the conversations that exist right now around women specifically, because I think that that's been the trajectory of even like the feminist movement within is that it, it focuses on a particular type of woman, which I am. Mm-hmm. And, and that the thread that I think exists within this um, inability to have spaces where, where anyone can thrive is, is the same thread that exists with, with racism, with homophobia, with xenophobia, that it's all of these things that we, we have created um, kind of this narrative, this box, this thing that you need to fit into to be considered safe. Um, And I think it's really easy to consider anyone outside of that crazy or um, I mean, and I think women in particular and women of color suffer this more so of um, these these um, stereotypes and, and ways in which we can easily dismiss them. Um, so I think evaluating who we're learning from and not being afraid of that, um, I think being able to, if you're in spaces with women, and I think women need to do this as well, what is your expectation of women? Um, when in um, one of the essays that I read, at one point she was talking about this expectation that women are this comforting place, right? That, that, and we don't know what to do with that when they're, when they're not. Mm-hmm. Um, and she even compared it to Mary's, um, Mary's fiat, her consent to having the child, uh, to having Jesus, right? Um, the son of God. And that, um, that that wasn't a comforting thing for Joseph in any way. Like her, her yes in this completely altered the trajectory of his life and the way that he saw it going. Um, and so do we allow space for that from, from women? Um, and even, I think, Father, you had mentioned the women that we uphold and that we look to. Um, a lot of them are the women that we've already beatified and that we've already said these women were worthy of, of holding this um, this name and this title. And I don't think we're as quick to give that to women that are, are actively living. Um, I think that we, we hold up models of perfection for women more than we do for men. Um, and I think that that has a, a, a really huge impact. So I think the way that we're forming young women, I think evaluating what we do in men's and women's talks and ministry settings, um, the, the stereotypes that we lean into that we justify with church teaching, um, and, and just kind of the fear narrative that we, that we perpetuate, um, so I think those are some starting places. I, uh, I really think that it does take an, we have to be willing to ask the questions and I don't see a lot of people in charge wanting to ask the questions. Mm-hmm. That's, a, that's a great, um, a great, easy, practical first step. I mean, look at the bookshelf. I wonder even too, like prayer services. I mean, there how many prayer services mm-hmm. happen in a parish for whether it's evening prayer or just for the youth group or for whatever it might be. So often that invitation goes to the priest. Well, I wonder what it would look like for a woman to give the reflection or someone of color to give the reflection. I mean, we don't, we don't go there enough, probably. I think there's always a sort of deference to the clergy as the, as the, what, the head shepherd of the, of the community or whatever. But, I mean, as part of the body of Christ, I mean, other people have voices, and especially in those uh, moments when it, it's, again, there's, there's language, there's precedence for this. It's appropriate that someone else speak um, or someone right. else have a reflection. Definitely easy opportunities there, and like you said, it's a it's a formation thing. So, what about the next generation who's hearing these voices, and how does that impact their vocational discernment in their life, and how mm-hmm. they control our voice in the church? And Jessica, we usually end our show just by talking about one hope for the week, uh, one thing mm-hmm. that gives us hope, um, 
one thing that mightn't be inspiring us or moving us toward greater love or communion of God. Uh, maybe as you think about the week ahead and maybe even in light of our conversation today, uh, what gives you hope? Yeah. Oh, that's such a good question. I was listening to a podcast the other day and I think this week in particular, I'm a question person. I had a friend tell me the other day that if, if anyone could get paid to ask questions, it would be me. And that just like outlines my dream job. So I would love that. But there was a question that was posed on this podcast. Um, and they said, what is connecting you to the humanity, your own humanity and the humanity of the people around you? And I think that question is giving me a lot of hope um, because it's really easy to disconnect um, from my own humanity and from the humanity of people around me. Um, and so being able to, to just ask that question of myself and, and move into the week with that question on my mind uh, has been very, very hopeful. So important because if you think about how we get to know anybody, you ask them questions and in some spheres mm -hmm. questions are threatening, but it's like if you're, if it's toward the end of getting to know God who made us, there shouldn't be anything scary about that. And I think right. something that gives me hope for the week as well, something that we named kind of during our, our conversation together, this bringing together of like the ecclesial uh, wisdom of the church, the theological wisdom of the church, and finding that when we put those together, practically speaking, there's some empty spaces or there's kind of some questions that are worth asking uh, whether that's developed over time or we have a new situation or new, I don't know, um, difficulties that, that have come up uh, because of technology, because of relationships, because of politics. Um, it, it, we should be willing to go to those places and ask those questions and be sort of unafraid about what the Spirit's leading us to, to find. Um, because it's of, if it's of God and if it's true, um, we're coming to a deeper knowledge of God and, and ourselves. So uh, this conversation gives me hope in, in those ways too. Uh, this is just one area where uh, that language can uh, can stand to come together in maybe more profound ways. Katie, what about you? Um, I have hope that our our new series for Ave Explorers, which is on saints, and we have an entire week on diversity in the life of the church, um, where we we kind of lean into the stories of women that maybe are not as palatable as people are used to. Like, we're not just going to talk about Mother Teresa's dark night of the soul, but we're going to go hard on like St. Dipna's mental illness and, and what she struggled with. And so I just have a lot of hope that that'll hopefully, a lot of hope that hopefully, right? How many times can we say it? That it will illuminate people to the real stories of saints and not just the easy to swallow stories. Um, and that, I don't know. I'm hopeful that people will enjoy that <laughs> as we start to lean into that series. Jessica, where can we find you and your work? And I'm hoping soon a book that you write. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, you can follow me on social media. I'm trying to get more active. I think we said this in the conversation that we had about, about single people. It's exhausting for me, but follow <laughs> me on social media at jmcmellon001. Um, and then I am working towards launching a, a platform to be able to just have some of my writing out there a little bit more, but awesome. yeah, I would say that's the primary place. We will link that down in the show notes. Thanks for joining us today. Yeah. Oh, also, I know this might be a little antiquated, but I had someone reach out to me after that last conversation. If you want, if you don't have social media, you want to reach out by email. My email is jmcmellon918 at gmail.com. So We'll Feel put free. that there too. Yeah, <laughs> shoot me an email. Yeah, you, <laughs> this so, is the, so lovely. I think I might know who it was that reached out to you, or who, because we got an email saying not everyone's on Instagram. That's <laughs> like I forget sometimes that our audience is not just millennials. Pictures mm -hmm. <laughs> of the, you know their coffee cups and their kids. Um, <laughs> so thanks again, Jessica. Of course, thank you.
Ave Spotlight is a podcast from Ave Maria Press. You can find all of our episodes over at AveMariaPress.com. Click on the free resources button and you'll find our webpage, as well as subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify. Since this is a fairly new podcast, we are hopeful and, and grateful um, for reviews that our listeners will give it to help more folks find the show um, and listen to these Monday morning conversations between uh, a priest and a mom about what's going on in the world and topics relevant to faithful everyday Catholics. You can also find our other Ave Maria Press podcast, Ave Explores, on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and Spotify, as well as the Ave Maria Press website. As always, we're grateful for all that you do and how you support Ave Maria Press, especially by listening to these shows that we are creating. We hope you have a great week.